Well, good morning. My name is Ken, and I'm one of the leaders here at Christchurch. And we're going to look at a passage from the Bible now. Um, and uh, as we do that, I'll read that to us. Uh, so it's going to be Mark chapter 6. And uh, it's going to be, uh, we're going to start actually in verse 30. So if you have a Bible with you, it'd be a great time to, to get that out. I'll give you just a second to do that. While you're getting that ready, uh, I'll just mention that uh, there's a comment section just below. And uh, if you have any questions or comments about the sermon, uh, please just put them in just as I'm talking. Uh, and then later on this week, we'll make another video where I'll try and answer some of those questions. So, uh, well, hopefully by now you've opened up to Mark chapter 6, verse 30. So let me read that to us. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Well, by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus told them to make all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, where he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried those who were ill on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed those who were ill in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. Why don't I pray? 
Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have this chance to meet, even if it's on a screen, to look at your word together as the church family. And so please bless us as we're gathered together in this very unique way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I don't know about you, but most of the time, I feel pretty in control of my life. So I choose where to go and when to go there and how long to be there. I choose what to buy in the shops and where to buy it and how much to buy. But that's all changed. It all changed pretty much overnight over this last week. It feels like we've all lost a bit of control over our own lives. I mean, for almost all of us, what we're living through right now is a drastic change to our lives. So schools have been closed, offices are shut, borders have been closed down, hospitals potentially about to be totally overloaded. Well, the plus side is I don't really have to conform anymore to society's norm that I take a shower every day because I spend most of my day in my kitchen. Although I may have to conform to my wife's wishes on that. We'll see, I'll let you know later. Well, in a way, that's kind of what today's passage is all about. It's a passage where we meet a couple of groups of people who just, they want to have control. They both have something, actually, that they want Jesus to do for them. And what we have today is really, it's a passage about eating. Everyone in the passage, I don't know if you noticed, is hungry. They want some food. But just below the surface, this passage is actually about another hunger. It's about a deeper hunger. Not just a physical hunger, but actually an existential hunger. It's about the hunger that you and I feel when we don't have control. When we feel like we're out of control, when we feel like we're under someone else's control. Well, this passage that I just read, it's, it's an answer to that. And Mark, the writer, he tells us the story to show us what happens when we stop trying to be in control. And instead, we give ultimate control of our lives over to Jesus Christ. Jesus, who we've learned throughout this whole series in the book of Mark. Jesus, the author of creation. So let me just recap the story I just read because it's quite long. And I'm going to tell you the whole story in just one sentence. So are you ready for this whole story, that whole reading? I'm going to do it in one sentence. Ready? Here we go. Jesus brings a new kind of kingdom with a compassionate shepherd for a king, totally inadequate followers, and bread. So that's it. That's the whole story in one sentence. When, you know, when we actually understand this, this story, when we really wrap our minds and hearts around this story, actually we'll learn what it is to give up control. We'll actually learn why we can give up control. And I think in the end we'll find that it's better. So let's try and understand it together. So at the start of Mark chapter 6, uh, verse 30, he begins to set the scene for us in verses 30 to 32. You see, Jesus had just sent out for the first time his 12 followers, the 12 apostles, and they'd gone out into the surrounding countrysides and villages to kind of have a trial run at doing ministry. And they've all just come back together after that. Uh, and in verse 30, they've come back and they're responding to him about what happened on their journey. But notice verse 31. They can't even do that because the crowds are still coming to Jesus. He can never get away from the crowds. And notice verse 31 because it's important. It says so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. 
So the disciples are hungry. They haven't eaten. I mean, by the way, you know the best part about gathering uh, as the church online? Uh, some of you are probably eating right now. And those who aren't, you just thought to yourself, I think I'll just go to the kitchen and make a sandwich. Well, at least three of you are doing that. Okay, so you might be eating, but Jesus and the disciples, they haven't had anything to eat. So what do they do? Verse 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. I mean, all they want is some rest and something to eat. But when they get to the other side of the lake, there's no rest and there's no food. Only the crowds. There's more crowds there. And by the way, no one seems to have brought anything to eat. I mean, it's the worst picnic ever. So that's the scene. A bunch of hungry people in a remote place. And now the story really gets going. So here we go. Jesus brings a new kind of kingdom. That's our first point. Now, what does a picnic in the wilderness have to do with a kingdom? Well, let me tell you. First, we need to look at what came just before this in the book of Mark. And then second, we'll need to look a little bit at the historical context. So let's look at the story. Just remember the story that came just before this. Do you remember it? It's the story of John the Baptist getting his head cut off by King Herod. And do you remember this? King Herod, he's this person who had a lot of control. He was king. And so he throws himself a birthday party, and it's a killer party. You have to imagine the food is plentiful, the wine is flowing, there's dancing, and there's an execution. Like I said, killer party. Now, that story gives us a picture of a king who not only has control, but he uses his control for self-promotion and self-preservation. And that's the old kind of kingdom, one of self-promotion and one of self-preservation. But Jesus is coming to bring a new kind of kingdom, and he reveals more of this new kingdom at this picnic in the wilderness. So that's what came before in Mark. Now, let's just think about the context that Jesus is living in. So why are all these people there in the middle of, I mean, they're in the middle of nowhere, and it's a lot of people. Mark says 5,000 men. And when he says that, he's probably counting heads of households. So there could be up to 15 or 20,000 people there if the whole family's gathered. Why are they there? Why are all these people out in the middle of nowhere to see Jesus? Well, up to now, the crowds had come to him so that they could be healed. And that happens at the end of the passage as well. But why are all these people here in the wilderness? They're here for something else. And what Mark only hints at, Apostle John makes really explicit in John chapter 6, because John tells the exact same story. Take a look. John is telling the very same story, the feeding of the 5,000. Look at this. John chapter 6, verse 15. They intended to come and make him king by force. The crowds intended to come and make him king. You see, when Jesus comes on the scene, the Jews, they're, they're just fed up with foreign control by kings like King Herod. They want their own king. And the crowds are there because they want this new king. They actually want to make Jesus their king. And isn't that exactly what each of us want? Like, we want a king. I want a king. Well, you might not think so. But deep down, each of us really does want a king. But who's the king that we want? Me. I want to be king. I want to be king of my own life. 
We each want to be king of our own kingdom. We want to live in a kingdom where our will is done, where people do what we say, where everything is oriented around us and our own self-preservation and our own self-promotion. Well, this crowd, they actually wanted Jesus to be king, and they wanted to be the kingmakers. Now, they lived in a much more communal society than we do today. In their culture, the only way to make your life better was if there was a good king, a good ruler who looked out for you. Not really how we think today. Today, everyone can be ruler of their own life, the ruler of their own kingdom. Everyone wants control, the ability to do whatever you like, whenever you feel like it. And, I mean, for a time, and who knows how long, that's actually been snatched away from all of us. So how do we find the sturdiness to live in this kind of a situation? How do we find the strength or the ability to endure an indefinite loss of control? Well, that's the next part of the story, because in the next part of the story, we find a compassionate shepherd for a king. And that's our second point. So first, Jesus brings a new kingdom. And then secondly, it's with a compassionate shepherd for a king. So the crowds, they want this new king. But they want him to come in power, to use his power to overthrow the current king. They want to swap one authoritarian for another. But look at Jesus. Just look at Jesus here. Look at how he sees them. We know how they see him, but I want you to look and I want you to notice how Jesus sees them. He sees them as sheep without a shepherd. Verse 34, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like a sh sheep without a shepherd. Now, where I grew up, uh, we didn't have a lot of sheep, but I've lived in England for long enough and close to Wales for long enough that I've seen some sheep. I've seen a lot of sheep. And I've seen how much trouble they can get into without someone looking after them. In fact, I've seen them stand in the middle of a busy street, a busy highway. Uh, last year on the church weekend away, I actually helped a sheep get its head unstuck from a fence. It seemed that it was reaching its head through the fence to eat some grass on the other side. I mean, there was grass on its side as well. So I don't, maybe it is greener on the other side. I don't know. We have to ask the sheep. Without a shepherd, sheep get in trouble. And that's the image here. The crowd are like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep who don't know what to do, where to go. They're lost. They're afraid. They're unprotected. In fact, they don't have much control at all. And here's Jesus Christ, who we've seen all through the book of Mark, the one who has control over everything, the one who has so much control that with a touch, sickness and blindness can be gone. With a word, a storm just goes away. Well, he sees this crowd and he's filled with compassion for them. He sees them as sheep without a shepherd. And remember what the crowd wants, though. They want a political leader. They want a new authoritarian to come and take back control of their land. That's why they're out here in the wilderness. They want Jesus to come and start a revolution. They want him to hand out weapons. They want him to hand out swords and spears and shields and bows and arrows. Firepower is what they want. But look at this. Notice this. Look at the entirety of verse 34. What does he give them? Swords? Spears? So he began teaching them many things. 
No, Jesus gives them his word. He gives them his teaching. And not only that, but we'll see in just a minute, he's also going to give them bread. Why bread? There's all kinds of reasons that, that we don't really have time to look at together today, but one reason is because of what bread symbolizes. You know, when you and I look at bread, do you know what, do you know what that means to us? Do you know what we think? Lunch. Well, the longer this pandemic goes on, it might mean more to us than that. I don't know. But in the ancient world that Jesus is living in, it means a lot more than lunch because to them, bread means life. They lived in a subsistence culture. You didn't always know where your next meal was going to come from. And so to them, bread was life. So what's Jesus offering to these sheep without a shepherd? These people who want control. He offers his word and he offers bread. Why? What's he doing? What's he saying? Here's what I think he's saying. He's saying, I didn't come to take control by force, by power. In fact, I didn't come to take control at all. I came to give it up. Because what's his word? What's his teaching? Well, it's the itself. It's the news that Jesus came to serve, not to be served, that he came to cleanse, to be a cleaner. He came to forgive sins. He came to give up his life. He came to die. And so what's the word? It's that. That's what his teaching is. And he also gave them bread. So why bread? Well, in satisfying their physical hunger, he's trying to show them, you've got a deeper hunger here. A hunger that bread itself, that literal bread, it can't fill. And if you don't get that emptiness filled by me, by Jesus Christ, he says, you're going to starve forever. And listen, you'll always feel out of control unless you feel that hunger. You'll always feel out of control unless that hunger is filled. Well, we're going to see more about the bread in a minute. But for now, look, if there's anything that you need to know about Jesus Christ, not only is that he's God in the flesh, that he's co-equal with God the Father and God the Spirit, but what you really need to know about him is that even though he's fully, he's fully God, meaning he has all control, control over everything, he didn't come to take control. He came to give it up, to lay it down for the sake of others. He didn't come to fill himself up. He came to fill others up, to satisfy our true hunger. And so this crowd that is starving for control, that's hungering after it, that's thirsting after it, He gives them the word and he gives them bread. I mean, do you feel like you've lost control this week? Like the ability to direct your coming and your going, what you buy, what you eat, when your kids are home, when they're not home? You feel like you lost that this week? Well, Jesus Christ didn't just lose control of his life. In fact, no one could ever take it from him. He didn't lose it. He gave it up. And he gave it up for you. And that means he's the kind of person, the kind of king worth following. He's the kind of person worth trusting when all your control is taken away. Because he gets it. 
In fact, he gets it better than you or I do. And that means we can trust him today. He's big enough to handle all the anxiety that you're feeling right now as you're stuck at home. Do you get that? Well, if that's hard for you. Don't be too discouraged because even his closest followers didn't get it. They don't, they haven't gotten it yet. And that's the next part of the story. Here's our third point, totally inadequate followers. So Jesus brings a new kingdom with a compassionate shepherd for a king, totally inadequate followers. So remember the scene, maybe 15,000 hungry people out in the wilderness and no one brought a Snickers bar. Well, look what happens. Look what Jesus' closest followers say. Verse 35, it's a remote place. It's late in the day. Verse 36, send them away so they can find something to eat. And I love this story. I love it because it's exactly how I think. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm just like these guys. I see there's a problem and immediately I'm like, aha, I know how to fix this. I come up with a solution. I mean, how many times have I done this at home? My wife is at home watching right now. She knows exactly what I'm talking about. She'll be facing some sort of difficult thing at work or with a friend. And she tells me all about it. And often before she's even done finishing telling me what went wrong, I jump in. I know how to fix it. What am I doing? I'm trying to rewrite her narrative. I'm trying to rewrite her story. She doesn't want me to fix it. She wants me to listen. Well, I'm just like the disciples. Maybe you are too. Because here's Jesus' followers again, trying to take control of the situation. They're trying to write the narrative, but they've forgotten. They're not the authors of this story. Jesus is the author. And so Jesus writes the story in a totally different way. But take a look. The disciples say, Jesus, send the crowds away. Then verse 37, but he answered, you give them something to eat. He gives them this completely impossible demand, something they could never have enough control to make happen a task they are totally inadequate for. There's only 12 of them and a crowd of maybe 15,000 people. I mean, to feed that many people, they say, would cost a half year's wages. They must have got paid a lot, by the way. There's only 12 of them and a crowd of 15,000. So Jesus has them gather up what they can. They come back and they say, we got five loaves of bread and two fish. And so he sits the crowd down and then the miracle happens. The author of creation, he steps up and he does something spectacular, something unheard of, something no one's ever seen before. He breaks a loaf of bread in half. <laughs> I mean, this is not the dining hall at Hogwarts. This is a few loaves of bread. And yet notice what it says. Verse 40. He gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. You see, when the disciples they want control, when they want to write the story, everyone leaves hungry. Everyone leaves with their stomach empty. But when Jesus writes the story, not only does everyone leave full, but there's leftovers. 
And here's what Mark wants to show us. Jesus Christ, he can satisfy any hunger. But he doesn't want to satisfy it with just anything or anyone. He wants to satisfy it with himself. Listen, are you lonely? Do you want control? Do you have ambition? Look, you can try like the crowds to fill those hungers with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse. You can try and fill that hunger with pleasure. But in the end, unless you get that hunger filled by Jesus Christ, you will always feel hungry. You'll never be satisfied. Nothing will ever be enough. You'll always want more. See, unless you let Jesus fill you up, unless you let him do it, you'll never be full. But if you do, not only will he fill you, but there's leftovers. There's enough for more. Do you get that? Well, again, incredible miracle they didn't get it because look at the last part of the story point four and bread i mean there's so much to talk about i'm like a kid in a candy store with this passage but i'm going to stay disciplined for you and only pull out the choicest pieces here's how the story continues jesus sends his 12 followers back to the boat while he goes up on the mountain to pray and in the middle of the night, while Jesus is back on land, the disciples, they're struggling in the boat against the wind. But then look at this. I love this. Verse 48. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. I mean, at this point, Mark, uh, in the book of Mark, it's, it's not the walking on the lake that surprises me. Uh, we've seen him heal a leper. We've seen him cast out demons. We've seen him calm a storm. We've seen him forgive sins. We just saw him feed 15,000 people, and he did it all with a touch of his hand or a word from his mouth. And so walking on water is nothing for this guy. The detail that I love is that it says he was about to pass by them, like as if he was just out for an evening stroll, like, evening gentlemen. <laughs> I mean, it's so effortless. It's so nonchalant. I mean, that's a picture of someone who's truly in control. There's not a hint of anxiety in him. But the disciples, the people who just a few lines ago were trying to assert their control on Jesus, have found themselves in a situation where they have lost control. They, they don't have control. They can't beat the wind. They can't beat the waves. And now they think they've seen a ghost. And so what do they do? Well, they panic. But look at Jesus, verse 50. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Okay, now here it is. It's the choicest morsel, the best piece of candy from the shelf. Verse 51. Take a look at this. Jesus gets in the boat. The storm ends. And they're amazed. And here's the choicest morsel. Verse 52. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. 
Listen, if you're having a hard time accepting this, if you're finding it difficult to believe or understand how Jesus Christ can satisfy your desire for control, how he can fill your deepest longing, look, you're not alone in feeling that way. Even the 12 people who knew him best, the 12 people who followed him everywhere for three years, they had a hard time grasping this. It says here they didn't understand about the loaves. And so do you understand? I mean, we should read this story and get to this point and think, wait, if they didn't understand about the loaves and they followed him everywhere, do I understand? Do I get it? Well, let's take a look again. What is it about the loaves we need to understand if we want our anxiety to go away? What is it about the loaves we need to understand if we want our hunger to be satisfied? Our need for control to be laid down. Well, let's go back and look again in more detail. Because I think we passed over something that on the surface seems so ordinary, so mundane, I think we might have missed the deeper point about the loaves, just like the disciples in the boat. So let's go back, verse 41. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Notice what Jesus did with the bread. He gave thanks, and he broke. Now, why is that important? Now, you could, By the way, you could translate that as he blessed and he broke. Now, why is that important? Why is it important that he blessed and he broke the bread? Well, it's foreshadowing. Because in Mark chapter 14, Jesus picks up the bread again. Only this time it's in the upper room. And there in Mark 14, Jesus picks up the bread and he says the exact same thing as here in chapter 6. It says he blessed and he broke. And then a really profound thing. Do you know what Jesus says about the bread? Chapter 14, verse 22. He blessed and he broke. And he said, take and eat. This is my body. What's he talking about? How is the bread his body? Well, the bread is a picture of his body. It's an illustration of what's going to happen to his body. Because guess what happens at the end of his life? When he's hanging on the cross, when he's looking at the people who are killing him, do you know what he does? He blesses, and then he breaks. He looks at them and he says, Father, forgive, for they don't know what they're doing. And then he dies. He blesses, and he breaks. But don't you see, Jesus Christ, he is the bread. And do you understand now about the bread? Jesus Christ is the bread. He's the one who is broken for you. And his brokenness is your blessing. How? How is his brokenness your blessing? Well, if you see a loaf of bread, if it stays whole, if a loaf of bread stays whole, I can't eat it, right? If it stays, if it stays just like this, there's no way that I can eat it. And if I can't eat it, then I die. I decay. I'm broken. I literally go to pieces. But if I'm to be whole and eat, the bread is broken. 
It has to be broken into pieces, you see? It's, it's me or the bread. Either the bread is pieces or I am. But Jesus Christ said, I am the bread. And what he meant by that is I was torn to pieces so that you can be whole. I went to the cross and took the punishment that humankind deserved. I absorbed your punishment for every wrong that you've ever done. I took the punishment so that you can be forgiven. I soaked up the wrath so that you could receive mercy. I was broken so that you could be whole. And do you see it now? His brokenness is our wholeness. Don't you see? We don't become whole. We don't have our deepest existential hunger filled by seizing control. We get it by giving it up. And it's only when we understand that, only when we accept that, that we can truly give up the need, the hunger for control. See, Christians, we've got a capacity for living in a time like this, unlike anyone else, because we have a Savior unlike anyone else. We have a Savior who, instead of taking control, he gave it up. We have a Savior who broke, who chose to break. First is our substitute, and second is our example. And so why would you be willing to give up control in a time like this? It's because of the bread. The bread that was broken for you. Why should you be willing to give up control and stay in your home for the next few weeks? Those of you who are doctors and nurses, why should you be willing to give up control over your schedule over these next few weeks? Parents having kids at home 24-7 for who knows how long. <laughs> Those of you who are single and living alone. On the other hand, those of you with annoying roommates. Why should you be willing to give up control? Why? Because of the bread. Jesus Christ, who blessed and broke for you. So let's look to him as we're stuck in our houses. As we lose patience for our children and our spouses as we feel lonely and on our own, as we miss going just for a coffee with a friend, as we lose control, to come and go as we please. Understand the bread, receive the bread. Because if you do, you can find the strength to live in these really uncertain times. Now, if we were in the room all together right now, I'd be giving you this bread as a picture of this deep truth about Jesus. So at some point today, if you have some bread at home, I want you to eat some. I want you to eat it in remembrance of him who blessed and who broke. Why don't I pray that the Lord would help us to understand the bread. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage we thank you for this incredible truth that jesus christ blessed and was broken for us and so please give us the resources please give us the power please give us the ability to sustain us in this time we ask it all in jesus name amen